Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. He just doesn't know how to turn on the audio. How to uh, turn on its own audio. Right. He doesn't know how to yeah, turn I mean, it on. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think we'll I'm, going the, I'm going to go off the call and try to join on the video. Okay. Okay. Thanks, try Alan. Uh, I'm not sure what you want to do, Justin. Um, I, I I may have Rich Bale on this one uh, until we figure that out. Uh, but let's see what. Let's give him enough time. Yeah. Um, until because I want Alan to call in too. So let's. Okay. Alan we'll wait for Alan, and, and then we could get yeah, going. I guess. Exactly. Oh, one of the uh, well, two of the things I think we should add. One of which is oddly enough, uh, giving Trump credit where credit is due. His trip to India is a good thing. We, it, it would be unfair not to include that as a topic. Okay. Okay. And 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 the second one is the the the, the death of Hosni Mubarak. Uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time uh, on that. A majority, a majority of the people that listen to us, I, I hear what you're saying. We'll bring it up because I also wanted to talk about uh, um, Ms. Johnson, the of Hidden Figures fame. Uh, I wanted to talk to her. So, hey, hey, Maddie, can you type into um, can you type right here. into this hey. chat that we've got? Say say again, Justin. I'm not sure where the audio controls are. Wait, oh, gee. Um, how did this guy get a PhD? Anyway, <laughs> um, Maddie, can you, can you help him out window. on this? I don't know. Can you uh, can you type to him, Maddie? Uh, I can try. All right, Justin, Maddie's going to try to type you at him think? with the keyboard. Okay, thanks. Thanks. Edit. Uh, Auto fill form. Uh, no. no. I, I, this this is a lost uh, cause. Let's. Well, I, I think we throw the towel here. We're, we're, spelling and grant. No. Um, Rich, we're, you're so far maybe, off base right now. I, I think the odds of finding it are almost nil. Yeah, Rich, we're going to bounce you. I'm turning up the uh, audio now. Can you hear us now? No, because I know what's ha- I know what the problem is. The audio, I think, is... Says, Turn Wi-Fi off? No, God. No, no, got a bunch yeah, of different yeah, no. things. I don't know why Rich, we're talking. You can hear us. Rich, can join other network. Hold on. Hey, can you see us typing? Yes. And I want everybody to start using, like, Dan, yeah. you're using, I mean, you're using at least good microphone quality, and we don't get the feedback, that hissing in the background. So that's a good thing. I think this is the first time we've had no one in the studio. Is it something on the bottom of the screen? Justin, no. oh, uh, uh, I see Maddie is typing in something. She's in the other room right now. Um, okay. Do you know how? She's trying to send a message. Okay. Thank I you. think she's listening in too. Oh, that was an interesting she, angle. Okay. 
Wait, what? What is he doing? I don't understand this. He's, he's looking okay. for headphones. Because Macs are smart. Actually, most PCs now are smart, so it should automatically no. detect if he's plugged in and figure right. that out. Or he can plug it into the back of. He can plug it into the bottom if it's a, a standard three and a half millimeter. He can right. plug it into the bottom of the uh, of the Yeti Blue because that's what I use. Does he have a Yeti as well? Yeah, I told him oh, to buy okay. the Yeti so we didn't have the bad audio. We didn't have this problem, right? And now he's. He's looking for a headphone. He's looking for earplugs. This is great. Oh, dear. Oh. All right. So, Charlie, sorry I didn't get a chance to bring Isaac with me today. I know. I was kind of a little disappointed because I figured if Aaron and Justin weren't here, I'd get to hold the baby finally. But, uh, you know, if I could have a rain check on the baby, that would be okay. I I got the level at the highest it can go now. Can you hear us? Can you hear us? No, he can't because yeah. I, I know what the problem is. Uh, Unless there's another way to turn up the audio that I'm not aware of. Yeah, I think it's just a setting that he's directing it to the wrong place. Using the output for audio more through the mic. If you have earplugs. Yeah, earplugs, man. From a phone, plug them into the bottom of yep. the mic. Yep. That will work. I don't think he's got earphones. Now that would be too much. That would be too easy. Alan Moore. Is that you are using Alan Moore. Audio through the mic. If you have earplugs from a phone plug. I don't think I have any earplugs. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately. All right. Uh, okay. It's your call, guys. I can't figure. I have not dial in. Just have them dial in. We're gonna be okay. at this for another twenty minutes. There you go. Right. Yep. Okay. okay. Do you want me to come out and come back in? Dial in. You gonna send him a message? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Should I come out of here? Yes. Actually, in th- in theory, he can dial in and listen through the dial in and talk through the online thing. Yeah, he could. I think so. That, yeah, he could. But at this point, uh, Alan Moore, you're on mute. No, Alan. Alan is on mute. If you can hear us, Alan. Huh. He was there, and now he's and now he's not there. No, I I, I can't figure this out. I, you know. <laughs> okay. Um. We can do okay. Let's, uh, Alan, do you have, can you hear us? Because you're on mute, Alan. Well, maybe he's getting a cup of coffee. That could be too. Yeah. You can't unmute somebody. Or he doesn't have a microphone on his computer. (laughs) Oh, that could be too. That could be too. I didn't even think about that. Uh, you know what? I try to go for the audio quality. Yeah. From now on, I'm just going to put out to everybody, look, try and figure this out. Maddie, thank you for being in studio. Okay. You, you're holding down the fort. And it's so much Ooh. It's so much less hectic than having two babies. <laughs> also, uh, we'll figure that out. All right. All right. You um, want to kick it off and just see what yeah, happens? Let's kick it off. Let's kick it off and we'll, we'll take it from there. Dan, you okay. and I will kick it off. Alan, if you can hear us, just try and dial in. But 
we got to get the, I, I'd like to get this fixed for next week if we can, because you, I, I don't know if you have a camera and or um, a microphone, if you can hear us. So anyway, because you're still on mute and you have to unmute yourself on the program. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I can see let's that get from here. Yeah. And we'll have okay. Everybody else dial in as, as, as needed. I'll, uh, I'll mute you guys and I'll start the music and I'll bring it back. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. From Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., this is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. This is the best podcast you've ever downloaded, and it is a very remote edition. I'm your host, moderator, Justin Russell, from my home office in central eastern Florida over on the beach side of Melbourne. Joining me as they do every time we record this is the former Democratic political operative and the, well, I guess he still is a Democratic political operative and a bar certified attorney in the great state of Maryland and the District of Columbia. He is the one we know as Dan Lipner Esquire. Hello, Daniel. Hello, and I blame the Russians for our technical difficulty. Yeah, I hear you. And uh, joining us uh, from a, re a remote location in what, northwestern Virginia, he is the former assistant, uh, former undersecretary for international commerce or for international trade at the Department of Commerce. He is the one we know as the Honorable Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. Hello, Justin. And also joining us uh, from a remote location, he's the author of such uh, books as American Politics on the Rocks. He is our in-house historian. He is Rich Rubino. Hello, Rich. Hello, Justin. And keeping us honest behind the boards, he is the one, our host, our benefactor, and now engineer, the one we know is Charlie Bernie. Hello, Charles. Hello. And of course, Maddie, the engineer, is in the empty studio A. Hello. Podcast Village, where we would normally. <laughs> oh, there she is. Hey, Maddie. Thanks for joining us. Hey, obviously, we've there's a lot going on. Uh, there is a ton of stuff to cover. The, the big thing everybody's talking about right now, especially since we record this on a Tuesday, uh, if you haven't been looking, the stock market has lost anywhere from about 5 to 6% just in a 24 to 48 hour period. It is uh, something that started up above 29,000. It is now uh, at last check somewhere around 26,000. Uh, the 6%, a big hit, the worst two days that the stock market has seen in a long time. It is still not the 20% drop that we saw on Black Monday uh, over a decade ago, but it is still taking a toll. The question is why. A lot of economists, a lot of people on Wall Street are talking that this is, in fact, something that has to do with the coronavirus. Uh, the coronavirus is in a is in a the thralls of becoming what some at the World Health Organization are now calling a pandemic. The question is, number one... Uh, hey, hey, hey. The, 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 the World Health Organization has deliberately not used that word. So I think we're 
we we shouldn't put the, words in their mouth. Okay, well, it, it has become it has become a it has become a disease of international significance. We'll put it that way, but it is definitely getting attention. Just in twenty four hours, we have seen a hundred percent rise in the number of cases being recorded in Italy. That from the Italian health ministry. Uh, we've also heard that the Iranians. Uh, the Iranian health minister or one of their key health ministers has been diagnosed with the coronavirus. Uh, this has had economic ramifications all over the place. But the big question we have right now is with the economic heat that our economy has been in, can we, in fact, survive a large scale disease scare such as what we're dealing with coronavirus? Uh, Alan Moore, I'm going to start with you as the, as the former undersecretary for international trade. How big of a problem is something spreading this rapidly that doesn't seem to have a vaccination? In fact, uh, Dr. Fauci, who's the director of the National Institutes of Health Center for Infectious Diseases, said that any sort of uh, antidote uh, or vaccine is a year to a year and a half out from deployment. Is this an economic threat? It's a significant economic threat. Um, uh, it, at the moment, um, the, the, the problem, it, there, there are two problems. One, because of the significant disruption in the Chinese economy with, with entire cities and regions being in effect shut down and lots of factories being shut down, uh, the supply chain for, uh, the, as, it's, as it's called, for U.S. product, uh, sometimes it's a finished product, sometimes it's component parts for products that are put together in America, sometimes it's uh, components of something like a pharmaceutical drug that might be produced here, but, but some of the chemicals come from China. There's, there, there are thousands and thousands of different uh, products that are at the moment being disrupted. And when, when the West uh, started looking at these disruptions and trying to project into the future, they realized there is a potential uh, economic slowdown all over the place uh, in, in Western markets. Whether or not a given country has got a serious coronavirus problem or not. So that's point one, the disruption. It took a little while for the market, seemed to me, to catch up to this, but it happened over the weekend. Uh, the, 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 the Dow Jones is down 6%, by the way. It's right at 27,000 right now, and it was just over 29,000 two days ago. So, right. so it's down 2,000 2, 2, points, and, and there's no good news yet that would seem to cause it to – to, so, to stall, having so to accept the, that the U.S. economy is still, you know, in 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 strong shape. Yeah, but here's um, here's the question for you, Alan. Is and 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 then I want to I want to go. Uh, I, I then want to go to my uh, to Dan. But the question to you I have is: is is our economy vulnerable because of what's happening in the with the coronavirus in China with the European? Uh, union and in Italy, is our economy extremely vulnerable or extremely susceptible to this because of just-in-time logistics, which has seemed to become 
something that we're seeing more and more big box companies and large scale uh, economic drivers go to now. Yeah, that was my reference to to the supply chain. Right. Um, stuff is produced. It's moved internationally. Uh, some a lot of it's finished product. The things that you buy in Walmart that say made in China. Well, I don't mean to pick on Walmart. Every store in America, basically, um, those are finished goods that that come. Some of them are on ships on their way. But everybody knows that there's disruption now, and there's going to be this this slowdown and and catch up. But then there are all these other parts, especially in the electro electronics field, where component parts or 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 or, or components. Uh, pieces that are already put together that have to be added to something else uh, are, are, are being shipped. Um, and and if tourism is hugely impacted, which means airlines, uh, cruise ships. There's, there's all sorts of factors that are right now being disrupted, and right. this interconnectivity uh, of, of world markets uh, is disrupted everywhere. It's, and right. it's not just China. South Korea's hit. We've got this problem in, it, in Italy. Italy's problem is not huge yet. It's just that it took some big jumps. So uh, the, the numbers aren't anywhere near what they are in. But in, you're talking uh, about a, you're South talking Korea. about a hundred. You're talking about a hundred percent. Yeah, but a hundred percent of two. No, no, a hundred percent of two is two. A hundred percent of a million is is another million. Well, you're talking it about a, a growth. You're talking about a jump from 100 to 200. That's still something that shows wide scale spread issue. Well, it just some of that is finally catching up to diagnosis and reporting and so on. Yes, Italy's got Italy's got a, a, a problem that's different from the rest of Europe so far, but it's not a massive problem of this. It doesn't have right. a, the scale of, right. of those Asian countries. Dan. Um, and the, 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 the last thing, of course, is the health side of it, that we're still not sure what we're dealing with here. Right. And uh, and it and it kills uh, it kills uh, one to two percent of the people who get the infection. That's a very high, a high mortality rate. Right. It's a very high mortality Dan, rate. So, Dan Lipner, two weeks ago, uh, the Trump administration proclaimed that. The spread of the coronavirus didn't cloud any economic outlooks, yet we've got uh, Goldman Sachs citing the virus, cutting its growth forecast for the U.S. economy by 1% to 2% in the first quarter. And then uh, you've also got uh, the, the impact, the delayed impact, I think, on the Dow Jones and the other markets, let alone the trouble it's going to have with the international markets, such as the Nikkei, the FTSE, et cetera, is, is it right for the Trump administration to be downplaying the economic impact? Is this trying to kind of calm down fears, or is this naivete? Uh, I don't think it's either. I think it's the, since the economy is one of the chief things Donald Trump is running on, uh, anything that damages the economy, suddenly Donald Trump's genius doesn't look so genius anymore. Um, at least there is some anonymous reporting this morning that uh, that the some economic experts within the Trump administration are calling uh, the the coronavirus a possible quote black swan event that could really cause some disruptions. 
And I think one of the stories that caused Wall Street to suddenly take notice was BMW is suddenly having to slow down production because there's now a shortage of parts that are coming from China. So this isn't just things that show up in Walmart as completed goods, as Alan was talking about, but a lot of those parts that are almost unnoticed that go into everything from cell phones that Apple has already noted that they're, they're not going to meet their forecast because of the coronavirus and, and other products downstream that literally have thousands of parts in them, that one of which that might only be produced in China in a place that suddenly is having production issues. This could be serious, something serious. Um, it's still to be seen. The Trump administration downplaying it um, is arguably a political move, but this is a political town. Uh, but it's also a, a, a little dangerous since one of the things that is also at play is since the Chinese have been known to play fast and loose with the facts, um, that doesn't inspire confidence. And if this becomes a, a, a far worse epidemic and actually does become a pandemic, suddenly faith in institutions is going to matter an awful lot. So uh, global leadership, political leadership playing fast and loose with the facts is going to be even more challenging. Does this become a political problem for Trump and Republicans? I mean, you just have a big energy trade deal that Trump has been touting as part of his phase one trade deal with China. Yet this is causing literally container ships full of fuel and commodities to line up like rockets outside of major ports right now. Uh, is this something that is a vulnerability for Trump or is this something that could possibly give uh, a bump up for Trump, his hard line, his America centric? Is this going to add fuel to America first? I Well, his hardcore fans that believe want Fortress America, believe uh, uh, good walls make for good neighbors. And the only thing foreigners have to add is just bad things for us. Yeah, they're going to be with him, but they've been with him from the get-go. So we're not talking about those folks. Uh, Trump's already had a misstep early on the coronavirus saying this is just going to go away once it gets warmer, um, which is not exactly helpful. Uh, he did do somewhat of the right thing by asking for additional funds uh, for the uh, CDC uh, in his uh, appropriations. However, even then, it was still less than what, what they requested. So he's definitely been playing playing this interesting. And if this gets worse, it's going to be a problem. Rich Rubino, you know, we, we've seen other administrations deal with this. You know, I remember the, the SARS issue. Uh, I remember the Ebola issue. I also remember the the early spread of, of HIV and AIDS. Uh, this one seems to be a little bit more global impact, immediate impact. Is, is there something historical that we can tie into what we're seeing with coronavirus in, in the past? No, I don't know if there's anything that's happened this immediate. I mean, obviously, people can look beyond, you know, America and go back to, you know, obviously, it's nothing like that. But you can go back to the ebonic plague and you can go back to 1918. But there really is nothing, I think, that's quite on this level. And in terms of the Trump administration, you know, this could potentially um, change. This could be the inflection point of the election because, obviously, as James Carville said, you know, it's the economy, stupid. 
And the fact that, you know, whether Donald Trump deserves any blame whatsoever, the fact of the matter is that the American people, for some reason, think that the president kind of has plenipotentiary powers and almost like he waves a magic wand and the president gets credit for it gets credit for a good economy and take probably too much credit and probably gets too much blame when the economy go when the economy goes south. But that being said, Donald Trump is taking credit for the economic um, for the economic recovery, even though it started before his administration. So if he does take if he does take credit for the for what happened prior to his administration, then does that mean that theoretically he would have to take blame for this as well? But my I mean from you know that's from a political perspective, from an actual policy perspective, it's very hard to kind of paint blame. Specifically on Donald Trump for a virus that is that is far, that is certainly out of his control. Uh, Alan Moore, the the president, while on what many are calling a a, a very successful trip to India, uh, during a presser today, as right before we were recording this episode, basically said that, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase, obviously, that th- this is much ado about nothing that uh, we've got it under control. The, the, the question is, does the Trump, is the Trump administration really playing with fire on this one is how big of a gamble are they taking with the one point, uh, the 1.2 billion and then an additional one to 1.2 billion, basically a $2.4 billion dollar, injection of money into CDC, NIH, DHS, HHS for uh, responding to the coronavirus. Too much, too little, too late? Or is the president right when he says, I could have spent $10 billion and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi would have said that's way too much, uh, where they're now saying this is way too little? You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see the India remarks. I think he's been backed away, backing off, though, myself, a little bit of the, yeah, everything's under control, all is good message of uh, two weeks ago, let's say. Um, right. Uh, and, and, and I think he, and now they have sought, it's, it is $2.5 billion. They're going to re, they, they propose to reprogram some, and then they want another 1.4 or whatever it is for, as emergency supplemental appropriation from the Congress. And he said, we may need more, and if so, we'll ask for it. So so what we don't know, the, the, one of the problems, and you mentioned it, I think, at the outset was to come up with a vaccine takes time. It, right. You don't just go uh, make an adjustment in a factory somewhere and start producing stuff. We, we aren't sure what the stuff looks like. So we got to figure out what would work and then start producing it. Now, today, just as the president was, he's trying to be – I think he's not as 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 stupidly upbeat as he was early on, where you know he just wanted to to go say some reassuring words, not based on obviously good internal information, but the same thing today, where he's trying to be at, at, at least not horribly pessimistic or downbeat. Uh, the, the 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 Centers for Disease Control, the CDC's infectious disease expert, said in a briefing with the press, it is almost certain that coronavirus will arrive on our shores. I mean, it's arriving already. And, yeah, it's already and we're, here. You know, we're, but, but the point being that it will almost certainly spread here. And the question is, do we have the capability and it's state and local government efforts and, and kind of SWAT team to go out um, 
we're, we're not even entirely sure on the diagnostics of this thing. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a fast mover. Yeah. Uh, when, now, when, pro- we, when, when we went after Ebola, we, we provided $8 billion in an emergency. And the, re- thing, the difference with Ebola and coronavirus is the mortality rate for Ebola is well over 50%. So it's like, if you get it, you're likely to die. Right. Um, and that's not the case with coronavirus, but, but a mortality rate of, of two one and a half to two to and a half percent yeah. is it, it, a higher for women, interestingly, than for men. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Hi, higher higher for, men for men than for women. Than it is for women. Yeah, uh, it, interestingly. But, but um, it, is, it is way higher than, for example, the flu. Now, there are millions of cases of flu and thousands and thousands of deaths this year from the flu. But the mortality rate, the the rate, the the likelihood of dying from getting the flu is, is less than one percent. Is quite small. It's right. way below one percent. Right. And that's what's so frightening about the coronavirus, the the and the fact that we're not but, sure just what it is, where it came from, and and what we can do to stop it. But Dan, you know this 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 brings up the question, and I'll ask a similar question to you that I asked Alan is. When the president says, look, I could have asked for, you know, 10, 20 billion and they would have complained that's too much or too little. Uh, is are the Democrats missing an opportunity here to really show some bipartisanship and saying, OK, look, we can talk about Russia. We can talk about the impeachment. That's one thing when we're talking about what potentially could turn into an economic and uh, international health crisis. Now's the time we just got to pull it together and and really put pen to paper. Um, well, the answer is sort of, but there's a reason we have a chief executive in this country. That is the job of the president and where trust is really going to come into play. Heaven forbid we actually reach the kind of quarantines that the Chinese are doing by walling off places or the Italians are doing since the the free travel within Europe is a big deal. If we have something like that here, the faith in government and government institutions is really something that goes top down from the executive. And it's it's nice to expect that from Congress, but the number of Americans that can identify Chuck Schumer, a lot of Americans can identify Nancy Pelosi because she's Speaker of the House and, well, Fox News runs her picture every opportunity they get with her Right. But the actual answer here is the President of the United States is supposed to lead us on these kind of things. And when he calls for calm, there needs to be trust in the executive this deal. Is a- and Trump playing fast and loose with facts throughout his presidency is going to be a problem. I understand that. But I, I, I guess the question goes back to and, and this is this is where I look at, you know, an opportunity for the Democrats to show that they are the adults in the room, I guess, is my expectation says, you know what, let's put our political differences aside. Mr. President, you and your health, your HHS secretary and your DHS secretary, tell me what you need. We will find the money for it. We will work with your team. To me, this sounds like a great opportunity for there to at least patch up some of 
the bad blood that's happening in Washington and send a message to the American electorate of, you know what, politics be damned. This is a health issue. This is a public safety issue. Let's fix this and we'll get back to politics in due time. Right. In which case, the messaging still has yeah. started with the president. There are a zillion people in Congress or more oh. correctly, 535 members that can vote. There is a single president of the United States. There is a single uh, director of health and human services. There is a single secretary of Homeland Security. If any one of them, ideally the president, but let's go for any of the, the two offices downstream, say, listen, this is what the United States government is going to do to keep you and your family safe and doing everything possible to, to not only contain the spread of this virus, but also to, to find a cure once it does reach our shores. Right. That is the purpose of the executive. It is, I think it's just improper right. to blame Congress for, for something like this when, when leadership is looking for executive leadership. Rich Rubino, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously just from a perspective of the American people, I think thinking that the president, I think, has more power than they actually do. But I think certainly the president, you know, part of it is just using the bully pulpit and explaining what the situation is, which he hasn't really, you know, elucidated upon, you know, how we got here because so much of this stuff we just frankly, we just frankly don't know. But um, it is it's interesting what was said earlier, though, about the idea of kind of coming together. It reminds me a little bit of, you know, other instances, for example, after 9-11 when, you know, Dick Gephardt and Denny Hastert appeared together and said essentially politics be politics is over and we're going to kind of unify against this. It's almost like, you know, that's something that actually can benefit the president, can benefit all politicians if somebody, if everyone kind of does come together in that respect and says, you know, this is something we're actually going to work together, what we're actually going to work together on. You actually see Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer actually sitting in a room and trying to kind of figure this out from a non-ideological kind of technocratic, uh, pragmatic point of view. Alan Ward, do you agree? Well, uh, there's a potential here, but but when they start arguing about no, it's not enough money. What what that tells me is that that we don't know how to spend a lot more money. You know, this is a science issue, and we and money can can help at the at the you know a bit on the science piece, but some of it just takes time. We could spend ten times as much on the science. We don't have the scientists or the laboratories. To, to spend that money usefully. Now we can inc- improve capacity of you know stuff that we put in place. We can have quarantine plans that we urge the states to assist with local county and city governments and stuff. But but it's it's not a matter of rebuilding something, uh, build, building something faster um, or or better, or even having some massive kind of surveillance uh, like we did after 9/11. Um, and and better communications among intelligence agencies. This is a you know this scientific health challenge, and the scientists of the world, the Americans, the 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 World Health Organization, the Europeans, the Chinese, right. the and Japanese, Koreans, etc. They're all trying to figure this thing out, but it's still a it's still a search, um, and and uh, you know there, there there is a point to saying if we. If we appropriated $10 billion, we wouldn't know how to spend it in a useful way. We will right. have the money. That's not going to be a question. And and it was like the $8 billion for Ebola. Oh, my God, that was a massive amount of money. Um, right. And and I don't know how much all we, we, we spent on it, but that was because we, we really thought if that stuff gets here, it's just going to start killing people willy-nilly. Um, 
this this one could kill a lot of people and uh and it it's a reminder of our vulnerability to right. to to new viruses um, but i'm not seeing a lot you know i'm not seeing a lot of hey great we're 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 now on the same team the money will be there there will be right. some back and forth along the way and the president can be his own worst enemy on this stuff if he as he had done before Right. underplays and tries to send out an encouraging word about something about which the experts say we don't know enough yet and my and right. we're we're scrambling to figure out what the hell this thing is and 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 whether we can create a a vaccine or effective treatment for it Let, let's i want to stay on the economy a little bit because you know we've seen where uh you know a series of days in, historically a series of days of, of of bad days where you're talking three, four percent, two percent drops each day, line up, it, and and then we we get a slow bleeding of the economy versus the Black Monday approach. It seems that we're putting a lot of emphasis on the health of the economy on the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the New York Stock Exchange. Dan Lipner, is that is, is that right? Are, are we losing the forest through the trees by doing that? Or is this just what American voters get? This is how we can determine a healthy economy. 20, you know, 29,000, 30,000 Dow Jones Industrial Average is what we want. I mean, for a percentage of America that absolutely views uh, their success through the stock market, yeah, that's part of it. That isn't the average American. What the average American does see is one of the small upsides to the slowdown in global trade will be a reduction in energy costs. Gas prices will go down uh, in part because other people won't be buying because of those slowdowns. However, what will also be noticed is the Dow is making note of, as I mentioned earlier, that suddenly there's manufacturing slowdowns, and those manufacturing slowdowns actually do begin to affect Americans who produce things and Americans who sell things. So at right. some point, it does actually come home to roost. Now, it's been argued that the Dow's been overinflated, so part of these fears of the, the runaway uh, from stocks is because people are suddenly going, whoa, wait a second, maybe these prices are too high uh, that we're looking at the stock market. So that could be part of the issue. But there is a tangible issue for, again, people who make things and people who sell things. Yeah. Alan, well, we're, we're hearing a lot of economists starting to say, not give dire you know, disaster predictions, but we're starting to hear a lot of economists starting to rein in their total optimism for continued robust growing economy the way it has uh, under the Trump administration. Is, is it just that the American voters are, are ignoring that or is this a we'll cross that bridge when we come to it? Does, is that a dangerous pothole for the Republicans as well? Well, so the, you know, the, the the president loves to tout the the new records for the Dow, 
Um, right. And those are not insignificant, but I would say a more important measure of, of people's feeling about the economy uh, is is the unemployment rate, uh, which has been at historic lows. So people who want to work have been able to find jobs. Sometimes they'll have to work two jobs. Um, uh, there been, there's been some increase in, in, in wages at, at, at the lower end uh, in, in the last couple of years. Um, it doesn't it doesn't speak to the inequality question. It just means that a remarkably high pe- number of people, percentage of people in America have been relatively satisfied with the, their economic uh, situation. And but is there a, that, is there a sense of fal- that, but is there a sense of false hope there? Well, I don't know. No, it's 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 not false hope. It's reality. They're working and they weren't working before and their kids are going to get our are, 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 are working. Um and 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 so, but but it's but it's a fragile uh, economy, and it's not nearly as strong and robust as the president would have people believe when he talks about how bad it was before and how great it is now, best economy ever, best economy in the history of the world. He he he's he he creates these <laughs> these images with exaggerated talk, not backed up by the facts. And he's setting himself up, as people have noted, and we have noted on this show, for a fall if something should happen. Well, you know something? Something is now happening, and it's called the coronavirus, and the, and the, and, and the stock market has lost about 6% of its value in just two days. And, and as, as Dan talked about, as I talked about before, this whole supply chain business of of component parts that go into larger products, Dan mentioned BMWs, but mine was a more generic reference, um, mean that suddenly factories in the West, in America, in developed countries, are not going to be able to turn out the cars and refrigerators and televisions um, uh, and cell phones and so on, and computers that, 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 we, that we expect. Yeah, but- and so... You, you, you know, there's going to be some layoffs. It's a, it's an economic slowdown right now that's that we're facing. How long and how deep, we don't know. But at the moment, the, there are all kinds of factories in China that provide stuff that that are not operating. Or right. And, and so, how long will it take before the the, the companies on the receiving end um, will? will not have the component parts they need to continue producing. And then the sellers of those products are not going to have the products they need to sell, whether it's cars, which is sort of easy to figure out, um, uh, or or all kinds of other products that one can think about. You have an economic slowdown, and when that occurs, there are layoffs. So suddenly there's a potential for um, uh, uh, increased unemployment. Um, that that's a ways down the road, but that's what the that's what the stock market but right let now. Me ask, let me is, ask this question, is, is, Alan. Is, is adjusting for it? Yeah, but let me yeah. let me ask this question though. Is you know we we see the the American heartland where you know we've got goods you know we've got good jobs. It may not be the ideal job set where some families are having to work two, three jobs to make it sustainable. Um, but mo- most of the people in middle America seem to be happy with the way the economy is going with 
the issue of the coronavirus, with the backup in the logistics chain, with all of that, is this a matter of we're not going to see ramifications of the econ- economic downturn and still, until we start seeing $30 T-shirts at Target, whereas six months ago we were paying 15 or 10 uh, we start paying $40 for Old Navy jeans, where a year ago we were paying $14. Is, is it that simple, or, is, or is, is, are we oversimplifying it in that instance? No, I mean, it, 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 it's hard to, to pick a particular example of a product. Um, you know, people, if it's, if it's a handful of products, people will forego buying new stuff if it's if it's if it's priced uh too high or more than they're willing to pay but but when you when you put when your dishwasher goes on the fritz and you have to get a new one um uh will will there be dishwashers for you to buy Um, right and 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 uh when because you, you, or you'll 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 hire a repairman to come out and fix right. fix one that's 15 years old. It'll it's not worth the 300 dollars to repair it. I mean it's it, it's products all across the line, and it's not that. I mean people can usually postpone. They don't have to buy a new car just like they were going to, right. and they can wait an next you know another six months to buy a new BMW. But the people at the factory who put them together, the guys in the showroom who sell them, um, they're the ones who, who, you know, everybody along the chain of production and sales is potentially at risk. And that's, right. the, that's the potential downturn. And if people are nervous, what's happening? What's this disease? What's it going to do? I'm scared. I'm going to postpone spending. So, so people don't buy at the same rate they have been in this environment of higher level of confidence. So Dan Lipner, to know, me, it doesn't take a lot of, a lot of percentage of reduced spending to start right. showing up in the job numbers. Right. Dan, Dan Lipner, to me, this almost sounds again, and I know we talked about this earlier, but it, it almost seems like this is leading into, Hey, if I can't import this stuff using Allen's, uh, reference to i'm going to buy you know my my dishwashers on the fritz normally i would buy an lg from europe or a samsung from the far east i'm not going to pay double for that all of a sudden that amana that i would have put together in amana iowa is starting to look real attractive could this be the spark of a not so much an American first, but almost a, a wake-up call for American manufacturing to take hold again in the American economy? No, uh, at least not quickly. Uh, one of the things since we were talking about, since we started this with the coronavirus, one of the things that's even slower than coming coming up with a cure for the virus is retooling for manufacturing. That kind of stuff takes years and we've had a colossal downgrade in our manufacturing infrastructure. And contrary to the Trump administration's chatter uh, about the booming economy, we've still had a basically, basically a manufacturing recession. Uh, there is no sign that we have the ability to start up that kind of infrastructure quickly 
at all. So yeah, it could be done, but it's a five or 10 year process. It can't happen tomorrow. Right. And, and furthermore, further to Dan's point, it's, it, <laughs> those KitchenAids and Amanas have foreign made parts in them all right. over the place. And I think that sort of speaks to Dan's point. Not only are they not in a position to double their output, but if they were trying to double their output, they would have to double their imports of the component parts that are made overseas that are in those American products. There is no yeah. U.S. automobile that doesn't have at least 30 to 40 percent foreign made parts. And the same is true of other hard goods um, uh, across the board. I mean, there right. is this international in, uh, dependency and uh, that 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 you, you can't that you can't undo uh, in any kind of a short period of time. Hey, Richard Bino, to go historical, you know, we hear the stories of 1928 leading into 1929, the Herbert Hoover years, and the spectacular economy that everybody thought we had, and then we had the crash. Are we, is this 1929 and is Donald Trump Herbert Hoover? I don't think so. Um, although I will say in terms of Herbert Hoover, a lot of the blame that Herbert Hoover got was not necessarily his fault. What he is known in history, though, is by exacerbating the problem by signing the Smoot-Hawley tariff, um, which, put, 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 which put a lot of tar put tariffs on foreign goods and as a result the retaliatory tariffs. And a lot of people blame that for Herbert Hoover. The other thing a lot of people blamed Herbert Hoover for was not, was not doing enough to try to stimulate the economy, although we did have some pre-New Deal domestic programs. So I, but in terms, of, in terms of Herbert Hoover, I think that um, you know, he came, when he came in in 1929, he said that there were, he, he, I mean, he campaigned in 1928 essentially saying he was going to end poverty. Just like Donald Trump, he made a lot of promises that potentially he could not keep. And then when this stuff did not happen, the American people did not say, well, it's not really the president's fault. There are all these other factors as well. They blamed Herbert Hoover, and as a result, in 1932, he was wiped out by Franklin Roosevelt in an election when he probably shouldn't even have gotten the Republican nomination. I think in Donald Trump's case, I don't think he's going to be blamed for the economic slowdown. I don't think the economic slowdown is going to be anything like the Great Depression, um, in part just because, I mean, the Great Depression, remember, it started his first year in office in 1929, so he had the entire administration to have to deal with it. In Donald Trump's case, we know, the, at least on the macro level, the economy has been pretty good for the first three years. So I think if there does become an economic downturn, I don't know how many people are actually going to say this is all directly Donald Trump's fault versus people saying there are forces beyond the president's control. The president just has to kind of give the image that he's kind of doing what he can to try to ameliorate the problem, I think. Right. So last question. We've only got a couple more minutes left before uh, the end of this episode. Uh, but two yes or no questions, which I know is impossible for this crowd. First question is, uh, are we going to see, are we going to continue to see drops? Uh, I guess the yes or no question is, does the Dow drop below 22,000 in the next couple of weeks? Uh, Dan Lipner? Impossible to know. Alan, you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I mean a ten percent correction would 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 take it down to twenty six thousand, um, uh, and 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 that's a that's a kind of a normal ten to fifteen percent is sort of the historic normal quote correction. But yeah. this one is driven by all the unknowns of a of a of a disease that kills people. Well, on, on top on top of the fact that we're also dealing with you know economic forecasting that economists have been saying, look, we've been talking about this for six months. 
now you guys are just starting to hear us now that we've started to see, I mean, no, 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 no. I don't agree with that. I I mean, even the Goldman Sachs thing, Goldman Sachs a a month ago was predicting 2.3% growth in the GDP in the economy this quarter. They adjusted that down to 1.9 yesterday. So they lopped off four tenths of a percent of their estimated growth rate for this quarter because of coronavirus. The, the president wants three and four percent growth not happening, hasn't happened, won't happen. But but no, no, people have been saying, you know, things are remarkably stable and strong. Um, not, you know, don't play, pay, pay attention to the president, pay attention to what these economists are predicting. And they're adjusting down for this quarter. Now, they may we'll see what happens with this, this disease in the next month or two. Um, it might it might correct itself. Dan made a reference to how, how Trump said it'll, it, it'll, it'll correct itself when the weather warms up. Well, what he said was he had talked to Premier Xi of China, who he has a lot of confidence in, who he thinks is going to be on top of this, and attributed to Xi the notion that it, that it, it, it should go away when the spring comes. He was quoting Xi. This wasn't his quote. It was attributed something well, to him. Which is worse, but, which but, is worse, Alan. I mean, which is that, worse than that well, incident? He said, I talked to Xi. I don't think Xi believes, Xi, Xi believes that it will go away uh, in the spring. That's all he said. And yeah. then people said, oh, my God, what an idiot. He's, he's saying it's going to go away in the spring. He was simply repeating what he was told by Xi. Whether that was yeah. a good idea or not, fine. But he wasn't owning those words. Okay, he that's was just, all right. Fair, fair. That's all. Fair. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, we're gonna let that be the last word. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, thank you, Charlie Bernie. Thank you very much for uh, putting up with us today and uh, getting us squared away. Uh, our next episode is also going to be a remote broadcast, so just get ready for that interesting little tidbit. On behalf of uh, Rich Rubino, Alan Moore, Dan Lipner, Charlie Bernie, and Maddie the Engineer, thank you guys very much back there in Washington. Uh, I'm your host, Monterey, Justin Russell. Hey, you can also download us as your favorite podcast on your podcasting services. Google, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. Uh, we're everywhere now. We're kind of a big deal. Uh, we're still working on the Patreon page to get you because this stuff is expensive and we've got to pay our bills at some point. And we also want to uh, say thank you very much to our uh, our associates this semester. we got Maddie, we've got Emma, and we've got Thomas. Thank you guys for all your help. We will be back with the best political podcast you never downloaded. This is Backroom Podcast. Have a great week, America. See you. I think you guys can okay. talk to each other now, actually. Okay, yeah, we, we can talk to each other. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Took me a second. I'm, okay. I, I'm alone here. <laughs> <laughs>
Where's wait a minute? Where's where's our Maddie's our not here. Mind. Your guy's not here. Air, oh, there's where's Maddie. Maddie. Maddie is here. Where's Never Maddie? mind. Belay that oh, as it, as you were as you were. Thank, All right, thank talk God. amongst talk amongst yourselves. Right, give us, yep. Give us uh give us about two minutes, guys. You got it. Uh, okay. Five oh two. Okay. Five oh three. We'll start up. Sounds good. Thank you. Okay. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.